WHMP. Hey, thanks for joining us on this Wednesday afternoon. Hold it. Dan, do you hear that noise? I think there's a sound of excitement coming from, North, I, from I don't, Greenfield. Oh, uh, what noise? You don't hear it? <laughs> I don't hear it. It's the sound of excitement. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. There it is. We have Mayor Roxanne Wiedergartner on the phone. And uh, Roxanne, there's some big stuff a brew up there in Greenfield. I know. We are not just resting on our laurels around here. <laughs> yeah. So the big news involves, for, for listeners who don't know, 137 years of Wilson's department store being the anchor on Main Street in right smack in the center of Greenfield in 2019. It closed after, you know, 137 years and uh, to the dismay of many. And now, what's going on up there? Well, so um, I was um, unacceptable to myself and the Community and Economic Development Director, MJ Adams, to allow the Wilson's department store to stay vacant for very long. However, the city of Greenfield didn't control the store. It was privately owned by the O'Neill family. And um, and I know that, uh, that they wanted very much to sell that building. So we began working with them as early as 2020, uh, pandemic aside, uh, just to kind of figure out what they wanted to do with it and, you know, get, ask them, uh, you know, to allow us to help them find people, which they were fine with. I mean, on their own, they did the same thing. They employed a realtor. Mark Abramson is um, is the realtor um, today, I mean, you know, yesterday, who was part of the putting this together as well from the real estate side. But um, we... Um, we approached several different types of parties to, uh, in that time frame, to to develop this, to help you know, to approach them to think about developing that storefront, store building in many different ways, and no one really seemed to want to take take that on. Um, and at, at at a point in time, um, MJ um, and I and and um, started thinking about well what what could happen there and as you know the folk, the food co-op the Franklin Community Co-op otherwise known as Greenfields Market as well had wanted to move in there and thought that they were going to be able to purchase that building once upon a time I think that was more like 2019 uh, 20 early 2020 no really 2019 and it just didn't work out. And they, they've always had their eye on it, and they've kept in contact with Kevin O'Neill and so forth and so on. So at some point, the community builders and mass development, we brought them together into it because ideally what our vision was um, was um, continue with retail on the first floor and have um, housing, mixed use upstairs, housing an office space or all housing or whatever. And um, so we, we started approaching different um, housing developers, and TCB decided that it was an idea they wanted to explore. Um, and then eventually mass development was brought in um, to assist both, um, both the co-op and uh, TCB in the purchase of the property. And that property was sold yesterday to um, Mass Development and uh, TCB, and it and we they will um, move the co-op in uh, in 2024. I'm sorry, uh, next year, next fall, next fall, there will be a closing. On that, at, on their portion of the, which is the first floor, and it includes three store, three additional storefronts that currently have tenants in them. Um, so there'll be a closing in in fall of 2023 20, uh, um, for them to assume ownership, the co-op to assume ownership of the condo, and TCB will continue working to 
get all of their, you know, various financing in a, in a row. They want to do historic tax credits. There's many options that um, will will assist them in in getting their part done, which will pretty much begin sometime in 24. And in terms of the housing, they're talking about mixed income housing. There's there will be yeah. affordable housing in there, right? There, there, there will definitely be affordable housing in there. It's, it, it will be designed for workforce and income-adjusted housing, or otherwise known as mixed-income housing. And uh, it's it's great space. They've also purchased um, a piece of property that's part of was part owned by Wilsons on Chapman Street. Uh, for those of you who are familiar with Greenfield, it's known as the place where the big pole is <laughs> with the concrete. Right. <laughs> you know, I know where it is, yeah. You know where it is. I right? sure do. <laughs> yeah, long and eyesore. So, so this, so this is such exciting news. So for, for, it is really exciting. For people who don't, aren't familiar with the market, with Franklin Community Co-op, uh, Greenfield's market. 30 they, years they've been here. They've been here 30 years, and, and uh, they also purchased McCuskers in Shelburne Falls, so they have that too in Western Franklin County, but um, they they have been looking to a place to, for a place to expand because they believe that they can uh, better serve the, a broader segment of the community and they can increase uh, local hero work. You know, it's organic yeah. sales locally. Um, they already they, employ. I think they have almost a hundred employees and. They and do. Like 5,000 members or something like that. That is exactly right, and they plan this project. Uh, and they're, they're projecting they'll increase their jobs by twenty, at least 20%. So as mayor of Greenfield, what impact... Well, let's talk two ways. Number one, uh, question. first question is, what impact do you hope it will have? And the second is, realistically, what impact do you expect it to have on downtown Greenfield and all of Greenfield? Well, the benefits of this uh, project are are basically threefold. They are increased traffic downtown, uh, which is the lifeblood of all retail businesses and services on any main street, you know, making sure that there's steady traffic. By that, I mean pedestrian traffic, <laughs> you know, people walking around needing needing things. Right. Uh, It'll be, as you just mentioned, expanded grocery option for, you know, the one and only downtown grocery store that we have. And their commitment, the co-op's commitment, is to broaden their product lines so that they're, you know, they'll they'll be able to offer more affordable pricing um, for many of the items that they'll bring in. And uh, thirdly, housing, which has been pretty much our goal, uh, when I say our, mine, but uh, working with MJ to increase um, uh, upper story uh, housing in downtown Greenfield. Now, so it has a lot of advantages. So parking is always an issue downtown Greenfield. Um, and, you know, the, the street is a little bit narrower than it is in you know Northampton. Some people think that the development in Northampton was in part because of the prevalence of colleges and universities in this region, but also that it's such a wide street downtown, and I know that there's been attempts over the years to widen the streets, but Wilson's has a very large parking lot. Is anything going to change in that regard? Well, so Wilson's has the parking lot for the, we'll have parking lot for the tenants, for sure. And then, yes, the city's parking lot is the one that's behind Wilson's, so that's not all Wilson's. There's a fence that kind of delineates them. Um, there's a new skate park being built in the city parking lot, but at the far north end. So there'll still be plenty of parking, both for people who come to Greenfield to shop uh, in the co-op, but also to, um, you know, to be in downtown Greenfield. And don't forget, there is a parking garage here. And furthermore, some of the other development that will go on on Main Street is um, a $5 million investment by Mass DOT to realign and um, 
improve parking on Main Street. So we will go from angle parking down uh, to parallel parking. We'll lose a few parking spaces, but as I said, there's there's plenty of other options for people to park. So that redesign will be going on at the same time in many ways as um, the other uh, developments on Main Street in the next three years or so. Um, so we really in the city do recognize in some ways the disruption that this will have for downtown. We're working on different ways you know, of how to minimize that. But, and what about the building that Greenfield Market currently occupies? It's a large well, they, large. they building. own it. And uh, I think they want to, well, I can't speak for them, frankly, but when asked, they uh, say that they are looking for the kind, a good tenant that represents similar values as the ones that they hold in terms of serving the local population. So, um, you know, they will uh, continue to, you know, as, as they get closer to moving out of that building, I think they will continue to find, and we certainly have offered them our assistance. We have some ideas about potential tenants there. Well, we're certainly going to have to have um, them on the show because this is, this is a sure. very important uh, development agree. for Franklin County. And, and for folks who don't know, they, uh, they really have grown. The co-op has grown in a way, they, like I said, they employ, um, I think, uh, almost 100 employees. Yeah. But I know that the vast majority of them live in Franklin County. They are a local okay. employer. They purchase as much food as possible, uh, yeah. I think in the millions of dollars from local yeah. farmers and growers. Yeah. Um, yeah. They, they, the food is of a high quality. It's mostly organic whenever they can get it. And, yeah. um, and they are a community anchor. And I think the anchor is about to grow. Yes, it is. Yeah, if, if there is such a thing as a yeah, so anchor. So <laughs> the anchor is going to get bigger. <laughs> I just learned of this today. Did it just become public today? It has just become public today, yes. yes so you are having you know, a good day, aren't you? I am having a good week. Don't forget. Well, we're going to take oh, a break, and then we're going to oh, come okay. back. And i got a fire station I want to ask you about. Exactly. Right. We'll be right <laughs> back with Mayor Roxanne Wiedergarten right after these messages. Stay with us. Big news. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits? Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's polka carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. Buy a mattress online? There are at least a hundred websites that'll ship you a mattress rolled up like a burrito and stuffed in a box. Wait a minute. You and your mattress will spend seven or eight intimate hours together every night for years. Don't you need more than pixels to know what it actually feels like? Maybe you could just lay on the screen and... Hi, it's Robin from Talon Furniture. We mostly sell therapeutic mattresses at Talon. Not Tempur-Pedic, not trying to mislead you. Come to Talon Furniture and lay down on a Therapeutic. I'll leave you alone. You can see how you are together. Therapeutic mattresses are clean. No toxic off-gassing. I've been to the factory in Brockton. Yes, they're made by fellow Red Sox fans. You like eating local? Try sleeping local. Talon delivers and sets it up. We don't just drop a big burrito on your doorstep. You won't have to wrestle it through the kitchen or up the stairs. Talon Furniture, a real store just down the hill from Amherst College. 
Eat more kale, says the bumper sticker. Why assume I'm not eating enough kale? If you eat at Paul and Elizabeth's, there's always kale. There's the Caesar salad with kale, with romaine, or both. There's the vegetarian platter, vegetables sauteed to perfection, including kale. Or just order a side of sauteed greens. Some people treat kale like one of those good-for-you-but-no-one-really-likes-it things. Maybe those people have never been to Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant. Inside Thorns in Northampton. Want to support the kind of talk you hear on the Afternoon Buzz? Want to hear your business's message here on WHMP? Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. We'll help you craft a marketing message that'll reach listeners of your favorite WHMP show. And you'll be supporting the local news, Valley Talk, and progressive voices you hear right here on WHMP. Let us know about your message. Email us, yourmessage at whmp.com. And add your message to our mission. And hear your message right here on WHMP. Your message at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back. It is Wiedergartner Wednesday with Mayor Roxanne Wiedergartner from Greenfield. And we just talked about the wonderful development of Wilson's um, being uh, repurposed um, to house uh, the the co-op, which uh, runs... The uh, Greenfield Market and McCusker's in Shelburne Falls. There's going to be housing there, including affordable housing for those that need it and other retail. It's really, it looks like the anchor that Wilson's used to be is going to come back and maybe be even more so um, in the center of Greenfield. Yeah, so sorry. They're going to uh, remove the mid century facade and bring it back to its original look. Brick. Yeah. To its original brick. Very cool. Well, Very not the about. only big news coming from the center of Greenfield, a little bit <laughs> further uh, on Main Street, but we have other development with respect to the fire station we've been hearing about for the last few years. Talk yeah. to us. So uh, we broke ground on Monday. A beautiful day on Monday. We had a very good crowd of uh, retired firefighters, firefighters, members of the public, um, all the people, <laughs> the building committee, people that have been involved in this, uh, many of them long before my time. You know, I think that I think Roxy, the fire station is going to be twenty one point seven million, but the cost of the shovels for Monday is probably yeah. going to exceed twenty one million in and of itself. There were a lot well, of shovels going in the ground. There were a lot of shovels. Now, the beautiful shovels, one of which I get to put on my wall to go along with the mm. library and all the ones that Bill Martin put on the wall opposite that. Um, so shovels are us. <laughs> and um, they, they are red and black and silver mm-hmm. to signify the fire station. And one of these days, I'm going to be able to put some sort of, I don't know, silver-plated skateboard up there on the wall, too, because we're going to get a new skate park in downtown Greenfield. A lot of changes in downtown Greenfield. Well, let's stick with the fire station for a while. Yeah, let's stick with that. It's going to be just a fire station? uh, Well, I mean, you know, a fire station in, in the 21st century is more than just a fire station. It's an emergency operations center. It's I'm uh, going to be have a museum, a very small museum, but we have carved out a space for so that the history of firefighting in Greenfield is well represented. We have some wonderful artifacts in storage, not the least of which is a original Paul Revere bell, designed bell that's actually now at GCC, but uh, we'll come back to the fire station like it's supposed to. So... Um, this will be a state-of-the-art fire station. Uh, I think one of the things that we are most proud of in this fire station is bringing it to the 21st century as opposed to what they've had to deal with. So there will be what they call a dirty room. You know, firefighting these days is dangerous business, not just because of fires, but because of the carcinogens that are part of fighting fires. And so every fire that they attend, they have to come back, take off those big heavy uniforms, throw them in giant uh, washing machines that then take all the chemicals out of them and 
restore them back to something they can use again. Cancer is um, a number one killer of firefighters uh, in in the country, and it's and many of them long before they should pass because our firefighter, you know, ha- you have to be young. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Firefighter, yeah. I did yeah. not know that, but it's, um, yeah, we need to protect our firefighters for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're a uh, core public safety function that every community needs. I know that these days, my guess is Greenfield's going to um, be asked to do a lot of mutual assistance because well, there's a we lot are, of... we already are. I know yeah, you do. That, yeah, that, every every yeah. local... Uh, volunteer fire department does that because there's just not as many volunteers and the aging of Franklin County and um, yeah. all of that. But I was surprised to read in yesterday's paper that the United States Department of Agriculture gave a grant, right? Not just a grant, nearly a million dollars, $987,000. Really? That's How did and that get secured? That must have taken a lot, a lot of, of work. work. A lot of hard work over a short period of time. Uh, one of our building committee members is um, is a professional in the planning world, and she works in Brattleboro. She's been pushed. She pushed us and pushed us and pushed us to um, go because we came up 2.7 million dollars short, and there's a limit to how much the city will allow. You know, uh, you know, <laughs> let us continue to borrow for the fire station. Um, so we had to find money in a lot of different places. Again, uh, the city council did vote an additional amount of money for us, which we are grateful for. I put in some. I will put in some ARPA money uh, for it. But the big the American Rescue Plan money. Yes. Yes. yes American Rescue Plan money. The thing that pushed us over the edge, or you know, to the top of the money that we needed, was that nine hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollar grant from the USDA, which I don't think I would have. Normally, they give out loans to rural development, rural communities for building projects, occasionally grants, but um, this is a grant, not a loan. So. Um, it's money that will go to ensure that we have a proper emergency operations center and some other key things um, that the fire station needed that we were going to have to put on the the, uh, the maybe list have now been brought forward to uh, to we will get them in our fire station. Well, I know that this was the product of a whole lot of uh, fingers working hard over a long <laughs> period of time. Yes, to, I, I have to put a shout-out to uh, David Singer and Butch Hawkins, the co-chairs, because each and every one of them used the talents that they have to um, to make this project possible as well. So they are the co-chairs of the building committee. And everything that David Singer ever learned, he learned from me, Roxanne. Don't you ever uh-huh. forget that. Don't doubt that for a minute. <laughs> no, I know David was so committed to this, and uh, yeah. and I know that Butch Hawkins uh, was uh, so committed to this. And oh, he goes back even before you know the, uh, I came on board, wanting us to have a, a, actually at that time a public safety complex. But and we also have the USDA uh, giving a grant to fuel business, food business, a uh, little incubator money. Um, that's going to make a difference. Could you tell us a little bit about that in the next minute? Are you talking about the Just Roots? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a Just Grant that um, they gave to Just Roots some time ago. I feel like um, that's the only one I know about. Oh, no, well, the the Franklin County Community Development Corporation is... is, Oh, the CDC, that's right. Right. Yeah, and that right. came. I think that came from from that USDA. Was the, well, yeah, the CDC is going to be able to, um, you know, expand their incubator op, uh, their food processing and their food development uh, incubator. Uh, yes, you're right. And I think that's a half a million dollars as well. A grant. Yeah, uh, it's a half a million. It's around five hundred thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So that hey, Greenfield is having a great week. We are having a good week. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's well-deserved, and uh, we're, I'm truly excited to hear about these innovations. It'll take a little while for everything to be built, but um, really important. Yes, it will. Yeah, yeah. 
So congratulations, Madam Mayor. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing the good news with us today. I'm, I'm happy to be able to do it. Sounds like uh, Greenfield has something to be thankful for next week. Oh, you bet. All right. Have, All right. A, have a great rest of your day, and thanks for joining us thank as you. always. All righty. Okay, bye-bye, Mayor. We're going to be back with Nan Parati and her interesting thing right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. The Montague man who died Sunday night in a fire in Northfield is now being identified as the defendant in a child sexual assault trial underway in Greenfield. 47-year-old William Willie was due in Franklin Superior Court on Monday, where he faced 19 counts related to child sexual assault, according to the Northwestern DA's office. Willie's body was identified by the office of the chief medical examiner on Monday. Investigators are still probing the exact cause of death and the origin of the fire. Some students at UMass Amherst are demanding the university cut ties with Raytheon Technologies, a defense and aerospace company. The anti-war group, called the Dissenters, gathered around the Eisenberg School on the flagship campus last week, displaying posters and signs listing their demands. A petition with over 700 signatures was also submitted. UMass spokesman Edward Bluguski defended the ties between Eisenberg and Raytheon, telling the Gazette these partnerships support Eisenberg's mission to provide a state-of-the-art education. And Massachusetts Senator Ed Markey is scorching Elon Musk. Markey requested information from Musk over Twitter's new verification policy after a fake Twitter account masquerading as the senator was created on Friday by a Washington Post reporter. Musk responded by saying that perhaps it was because Markey's real account sounds like a parody. Markey then fired back that with one of Musk's companies under an FTC consent decree and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration investigating another for auto fatalities, the tech billionaire might be advised not to spend his time picking fights online. The senator added, fix your companies or Congress will. For WHMP News, I'm Stefan Ward-Wheaton. Some peaks of sunshine in the afternoon. Chilly with temperatures in the low to mid 40s. Partly cloudy tonight with lows in the upper 20s. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP. When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 1015, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSP Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Getting your credit score and credit report free is another great reason to bank at Greenfield Savings Bank. With the GSP Credit Center, you can monitor your credit score and credit report as often as you like, set up alerts, and find tips on how to improve your credit score. Monitoring your credit score and report is an important tool in protecting your finances and can help you identify errors and prevent fraud. Our GSB Credit Center is just one of the great benefits that comes free with both our free online banking and our free mobile app. And with the GSB mobile app, you can check your score and access your credit report free anytime and from anywhere using your mobile device. And checking your credit report at the GSB Credit Center will not affect your credit score. Sign up today at any of our offices or online. Greenfield Savings Bank. Greenfieldsavings.com. Member FDIC. Member DIF. Mobile carrier charges may apply. Shop the work of over 200 artists in glass, ceramics, clothing, jewelry, and more. At the Snow Farm Second Sale, the artists may think they're seconds, but you'll never know. Except by the price. Three weekends in November, with new work every weekend. Shop local and handmade. You'll support Snow Farm and the artists. Reserve a shopping time in advance to limit large groups. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday from 10 to 4 in Williamsburg. The Snow Farm Second Sale. For details and reservations, go to snowfarm.org.
This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back, and we have this week's interesting thing with Nan Parati. But before we do, there's a couple of announcements I want to make. One is I am going tonight to East Hampton because City Space, if you've heard about City Space in East Hampton, and you could read about it at CitySpaceEastHampton, one word, dot O-R-G, is um, opening up. It's a new performance venue. They are, uh, tonight, the proceeds are going to go towards a continuing effort to completely rehab the uh, old town hall in East Hampton. For those who don't know, in 1869, um, what became the old town hall was built as a memorial to all those East Hampton soldiers who died in the Civil War. And um, over the years, it's been this sort of stalwart edifice that uh, was was a, an anchor in East Hampton, and uh, it needs work. So a number of folks, um, Carol Abbey Smith and others, Ruth Griggs, who does our, our jazz thing, and other people have gotten together to um, rehab it. Tonight is Natalia Bernal, the Chilean in Diablada Quintet, is going to be playing there. Uh, to celebrate the arts and to support the restoration of the Old Town Hall. It's going to begin at 6 o'clock. You can get tickets right there at the door. Um, It's an important fundraiser. There is um, a lot that's going on. I also want to flag for tomorrow, because tomorrow Glenn Siegel will make his Take 5 debut. He'll be alternating weeks with uh, Ruth Griggs. Glenn Siegel, you probably know for decades, was the jazz voice from WMUA, He's going to begin on our show every other Thursday. He's going to begin tomorrow with a live in-studio interview with pianist Lafayette Gilchrist, who's kicking off the solo piano series, which is called A World of Piano. Excuse me. That's going to uh, be at the Northampton Center of the Arts beginning tomorrow night. So it's great music stuff. Um, uh, that's, That's all I got to say. So, Nan... Hello. Hello. <laughs> it's so good to be back here with my interesting thing again, again, mm. is Carter Carter. Again, again, Carter Carter. Very interesting. Interesting, interesting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being here again. Oh, it's my pleasure. What I want to do today, we've been talking a lot with young people about, about their anxieties and what's going on in the world. And the thing I've been thinking about, and I'm not trivializing anything, but we've got a few different generations here, and we've, we've grown up with stuff. We've had stuff before. And we, I want to talk about their... I want to talk about that we need to find ways to to become stronger or to help our young people become the people that they want to be, that they can work through this. And some of the things I'm thinking about are things like, um, you know, back when we were young, Buzz, we had the Vietnam War, and it was huge. It was terrifying all the time. Um, would it get bigger or just the fact that my... People would have to. I was a girl. I didn't. I wouldn't get drafted, but my good friends were getting drafted. I don't know if you were drafted or not. Or um, no, I was a resistor, and then um, then they threatened prosecution, and I accepted the card, but I drew a lottery number at three hundred and eleven or something like that, so I got away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was you know we had the Cuban Missile Crisis that we talked about a few weeks ago, and and someone wrote to me this morning and said that she remembered living through that that fear and and it affected her for a very very long time so what i'm thinking about is if we previously in history we have gone through a lot of stuff and it's, i mean and it's very varying in different sorts of things but i, I want to talk with carter carter because he's smart and knows stuff like this where do we go from here how do we start to create the walls within ourselves or the strength within ourselves to take action to move forward you were a resistor a draft you know you were a resistor a war resistor buzz um how do we what do we do carter carter what do you think i feel really torn by the premise of the question in a way because mm-hmm. i partly really agree with you that there's a need to help people on an individual level be more indomitable if you want to call it that yeah. um and at the same time i also feel like by by focusing on how we do that for individual people, we may miss a kind of collective responsibility and a recognition that people are more indomitable when they're in groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when we, we, we were talking a lot the last time I was on the show about this idea of risk society, right? And how over a period of about 50 years, we sort of systematically offloaded risk 
a kind of risk portfolio that was held by the collective and then offloaded it to individuals to manage on their own on a case-by-case basis, Yeah. with the result being that we were all bad at it and then it made us horribly anxious. Um, and, and to my mind, the solution is probably some combination of how do we help people individually be better at tolerating risk and the difficulties of life, but also how do we work to kind of put some of that risk portfolio back where it belongs as a, you know, as a matter of collective responsibility. Oh, I like that. That's good. Right. That's good. Yeah. Um, how do we do that? <laughs> where, I mean, where do we start? Do we start sort of the individual level or are we talking about policy or psychology? Or I want to talk go? about psychology. I want to talk about the individual because there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff that is bigger than what we are. And what I'm thinking about mm-hmm. is the strength of the individual mm-hmm. because that's all we individually have. We can think about everything else. We can, anything else in the world, but mm-hmm. it all comes from within. And how do we create that within ourselves? This is the most important thing, I think. Yeah. And how do we as grown people also talk about with young people in our lives about that very thing? And so that's what that's what I'm yeah. interested in. You know, as, as a therapist, I think a lot about attachment and relationships. And one of the ideas that I find really helpful from the like attachment theory literature about how infants form bonds with their parents that then support them throughout their lives is this idea of a secure base for exploration, mm-hmm. right? That as human beings, we need both sides of that dialectic, right? We need a, a sense of having a secure place where we get to feel safe and loved and contained and where we get to sort of recharge and learn mm-hmm. as a prerequisite to being able to go out into the world and explore and take certain kind of risks and, you know, innovate and fall on our faces and have good and bad and ugly experiences. Mm-hmm. And, and to my mind, one of the effects of offloading so much risk onto individuals is it makes it very difficult for them to establish secure bases for themselves, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, very difficult to have a sense of stable access to resources, have a decent income, have a home, have access to the medical care that you need, right? All of those are prerequisites to being able to be exploratory and creative and take risks in a way that ultimately could benefit everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some policy level questions on how do we resolve that? But like, uh, I think there's also a question of how do we be better secure bases for each other, right? right. How do we be kind of islands of safety and sanity for other human beings? But But maybe I'm a little bit, I'm a social worker, right? So I, t- I tend to sort of emphasize the structural. Uh-huh. I think it's hard to do, uh-huh. you know, when we're all, you know, in so many ways feeling so well, insecure. But I, I don't, I don't distinguish my generation mm-hmm. from the current generation in the regards to what you just mentioned, what you just talked about, and risk taking and the individual. I, you know, to me the threat. And by the way, Nan, I know that you're focused on. You know, it, it seemed to me that one one of your guests a few weeks ago was very disaffected. Mm-hmm. You know, what what are the expectations grown ups you called them mm-hmm. um, have that you resent? And she said there was a long pause, and she said, "Did I have to do anything? Yeah, Why that, do I thought have to that do was anything? very interesting. Well, I, I didn't find it very interesting. Well, I thought, I what it, I find more interesting, I mean, we uh-huh. have an intern here the same age. He's pulling right. four point and he's working. I, I've got grandsons who are. You know, right. I've got. I taught for 20 years at GCC and UMass. And right. I didn't think it was I good. See, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, my my issue is what has the internet done when people are on, you know, clicking away for seven hours? Or what does climate do when we're, that people are being told that by 2030 the world is going to blow up? Those are things that I didn't have to face. Right. We we had to face, you know, my, my family was decimated in a Holocaust. Exactly. And that sort of stuff. But... I wonder, Carter, about whether or not the things that you're just talking about as a social worker, the things you helped people um, push through and adapt to, um, they seem kind of timeless to me, at least what you're just talking about. And that tension between community and individual, mm-hmm. that you, seems timeless. Definitely. You know, I'm, I'm really grabbing onto this piece, though, that you're talking about of, you know, this young person you spoke with who expressed a lot of like resentment at needing to do anything. And there's a way of seeing that as sort of, kids these days, right? And I think there's also a way of seeing that as like kind of an act of resistance, right? You know, we were talking the last time I was on the radio about this anarchist political scientist named James C. Scott. And one of the things that he finds in his research is that often the way that people have resisted domination throughout history isn't by screaming revolution and then running into the fray. It's by doing things badly and dragging their feet and quote unquote forgetting. And and I think that's right. And and I think that's fair. What I was questioning Nan on is whether or not 
um, nine was representative. Right. I, th- um, I think nine is whole, kind of representative. That was a problem. Not of the students that I know. Good. Not of people Good. that I know. Good. Um, and that I've worked with. Cool. And, you know what I mean? uh-huh. Now, granted, most of them decided to go to college, albeit mm-hmm. a community college, um, you know, an open enrollment college. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they weren't breaking their backs mm-hmm. in high school. Right. And this gave them an entree. And I know a lot of young activists. I know mm-hmm. a lot, of, you know, I know a lot of people who mm-hmm. are not mm-hmm. disaffected, who are sure. instead trying to achieve some goals. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know what's interesting in the story that you're telling, right, is I also teach, a, you know, not quite an open enrollment college, but at basically UMass. at the Mass College of Liberal Arts, yeah. you know, and we, we try our best to take all comers. And uh, I, I notice a difference in my own experience as someone who was raised pretty upper middle class, as somebody who's now teaching a lot of students who are like coming from a working class background or often the first in their family to go to college. And uh, in my youth, I was trained to be a show pony. Right. right. I have no idea what that means. Well, what I mean by that is uh, I think people in the kind of upper middle class environs that I grew up in are uh, funneled into a kind of I- elitist shoot of needing to specialize and be exceptional and cultivate some kind of quote unquote personal brand from very early on in a way that is like really alienating and actually doesn't teach you how to do almost anything that is conducive to like living an independent life unless you get all the way to the end of that race, right? If you wind up kind of falling off of the track, that's a bad metaphor, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like <laughs> the show if, if, you, if you wind up not finishing, so to speak, then everything that you learned how to do is functionally useless. Mm-hmm. And I, I see a number of people in my therapy practice that you were, you know, that over the years where that's sort of the description that like they were being pushed to for towards a life that they couldn't, then realize, and then nothing that was cultivated in them actually helped them live a regular life. Well, here's an example of when not finishing is not functionally useless. <laughs> we are going to take a break, mm. and we're going to come back with Nan Parati and with Carter Carter and continue our conversation about, I guess, individual growth. We'll be right back. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5. WHMP. When the silence is a quiet, and it feels like it's getting hard to breathe, and I know you feel like dying, but I promise we would take the world to its feet. Bring it to his feet Are any billionaires doing great things with their money? We'll focus on the recent news and announcements by Jeff Bezos. He's the founder of Amazon, who has about $125 billion, and Mackenzie Scott, his ex-wife. When we speak with Chuck Collins, the director of the Charity Reform Initiative at the Institute for Policy Studies and author of The Wealth Hoarders, Chuck Collins will be our guest Thursday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. The Valley and the world's favorite octogenarian rock and roll chorus goes over the hill. Young at Heart Chorus, celebrating their 40th anniversary this Sunday, 3 p.m., Academy of Music, Northampton. Celebrate 40 years of Young at Heart with new reinterpretations of their most iconic songs from their repertoire throughout the last 40 years. From the concert halls of Northampton to the silver screen with an award-winning documentary, to tours all over the globe. Young at Heart and their music is beloved. Celebrate their 40th anniversary with them this Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m., Academy of Music. Tickets, aomtheater.com. Young at Heart Chorus's 40th anniversary concert this Sunday, the Academy of Music. Hi, this is Dr. Jenny Garber, former college athlete and now arthroscopic and shoulder surgeon at New England Orthopedic Surgeons. I'm proud to be one of the board-certified team of doctors who's ready to tackle any orthopedic or sports injury, from shoulders and elbows to knees and ankles and everything in between. 
With convenient locations in Springfield, East Longmeadow, and Northampton, you can trust we'll give you the best bona fide care. So visit anyortho.com to schedule your appointment today because at New England Orthopedic Surgeons, we help get you back in the game. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMD. And it's Wednesday afternoon. We're back with the interesting thing with Nan Parati and Dr. Carter Carter. Nan. Yeah, one thing I want to say, talking about what you were talking about right before the break, one thing that I am eternally grateful for is that the parents I had mm. encouraged all, we had four kids in the family, and we were all encouraged to do what you want to do. And they, they didn't just say, yeah, do what you want to, I don't care. It was, what do you want to do? My, I mm. wanted to become an artist at the time and a writer which I've kind of done that and then a bunch of other things. But they also, I had the, the entrepreneurial spirit, which they really encouraged too. Only because I wanted to do it. Had I not wanted to do that, they would have said, do what you want to. Uh, but encouraged it and talked about it. My sister, you know, was, became a potter and a teacher. My brother, John, became a guy with Microsoft. He's the gazillionaire in the family. Mm-hmm. And it, but we were very, very different kids. But we were always encouraged. Um, and and I, I, I'm so grateful for that because all four of us turned out to be the people we wanted to be. And I think that is a really important thing just to listen and to encourage and help structure, I think, is a mm-hmm. really good idea. What do you think? Oh, I can't but agree with you, right? And, uh, you know, what I hear in that story is not just that you were able to try things that were meaningful to you and take risks, but that y- you felt you felt like you had that secure base. We did, yes. That allowed you to explore the world. And then... And I come back to this like again and again. Yeah. And interestingly, my, my, one of my siblings went, later on decided they were going to move back home mm-hmm. after they'd gone to college and everything else and decided, ah, maybe not, I'm going to move back home. And my dad said, I'm sorry, that birth certificate came with a no return clause, <laughs> which <laughs> was hilarious. That's a good line I'm going to borrow, though. It was. And yeah. then my brother said, yeah, you're right, okay, I'm going to go out. And he, you know, he did mm-hmm. what he needed to do. But I just thought that was also encouraging but not saying oh yeah you, we're just going to support you it was you got to figure this out too i'll help you figure it out but you got to figure it out mm-hmm. and i thought that was really important i wanted to ask you carter carter a couple yeah. questions uh what institution do you think uh needs maybe the the most reform or changes to adapt to these current conditions that you're talking about this kind of lack of uh, stability putting the onus on the individual and no longer the collective and it seems like Schools have taken on burden of, mm-hmm. you know, of a lot of kids with a lot of trauma and the teachers aren't necessarily prepared to train for that. The police have now also begun to also fulfill a lot of these roles. And it seems like the inst- there's a mismatch between what the institutions are and the conditions that people are living in. And the World Wide Web, if you want to call it an institution. There you mm-hmm. go. Sure. Hey, what, do you, what do you have in mind there? I'm just throwing out yeah. something else that we'd like to make. Uh, more accommodating of the of the needs of our young people. Yeah, you know the the school piece. Pick your specialist, pick your disease. Right is something you hear about in medicine. So you're talking to a mental health provider, and mm-hmm. my my instinct is to say, I wish that particularly after the last two and a half years that we've all had collectively through the pandemic that it was much easier to access mental health treatment than it is. Because I think when you look at how all of those institutions you just mentioned are operating, a lot of the like the locus of the dysfunction is around people being traumatized and reactive and avoidant in a way that makes it hard for them to show up for other people. So, you know, I have a brilliant colleague at the Mass College of Liberal Arts named Cleo Stearns, who's doing a pilot program working to support teachers in the North Adams public schools who feel incredibly traumatized and burnt out after the conditions that they've had to deal with for the last two and a half years. That kind of thing seems really promising. Uh, uh, you know, I in my private practice, I supervise some clinicians who work a lot with law enforcement officers and first responders. I do a certain amount of that myself, and I see how uh, utterly ground down they've been by these experiences. But it, you know, w- w- when when people have an opportunity to really countenance what they've been through and feel seen and feel a sense of how shall I say repair, I guess for want of a better word for it, their ability to get up and go back at it is, I think, shocking and impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the absence of, of that, which I think is mainly a public policy failure, um, it, it becomes really difficult for people to do what they need to do for others. And mm-hmm. I think if we could fix that, we might be able to make a real big difference. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. This I'm just going to throw this out here. I really think, as, we, as Buzz is talking about, the, so much is 
so much interaction is just through the internet, we, and we've been talking about that kind of all along. Um, and people don't know how to do stuff. During the break, Buzz was talking about teaching kids who really had not been taught how to read, because they're always on the internet, how to read a book. Um, and what about grown people finding the kids in their lives, their grandchildren, their mm -hmm. children, their neighbor kids, whoever, kids that they know, and starting conversations with them? What about kids? And I'm just asking this. What about kids saying, Grandpa? What was it like when you were a kid? And how? Do, and it seems to me that this, just interacting between generations would be a very positive thing for people to do. It gets people away from the, the buzz of the internet. Sorry, buzz. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it seems to me, and I'm interested mm -hmm. in your thought here, Carter, it, like you're saying, it is difficult to, to always get therapy. What about talking to your neighbors? Oh, to your point, right, I think... Uh, I think my personal stance is that individualism is much of the problem, right? Not individualism in the sense of like doing your own thing. Mm -hmm. Individualism in the sense that uh, a sense that we're supposed to be atomized units of production that mm -hmm. are disconnected from each other, right? And my anecdotal impression, I imagine there's data on this that I don't know about, is that communities where more adults feel a greater sense of stake in the well-being of their children regardless of whether the children are directly related to them or not, it can't be a good thing, right? I've been very impressed by the fact that, you know, I live in Ashfield, Massachusetts. I have a small child and hopefully maybe more on the way. Um, there aren't a ton of kids in our town, mm -hmm. right? The, the town is generally aged to the point where like a lot of people who had children, they've now left and not come back. But uh, the the citizens of the town are incredibly committed to the kid. Like I, I feel you know, I can go to the farmer's market on a Saturday and know that you are excited to see my kid, right? Mm -hmm. I can go to the hardware store and know that Nancy and Laura, over hi, Nancy and Laura at the hardware store, um, <laughs> are excited to see my kid and that people are willing to support the local preschool, which like, I, you know, it's a wonderful school. We go there. I cannot imagine that it would break even, but for the fact that people will donate to it very generously. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that again is, uh, that's people taking a risk burden off of me and my family, mm. right? And containing it more collectively. Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> we thought you were saying well, you had a question or a comment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that, I think that is great. Go to the hardware store. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, well, it and does take a village is what you said. It does, it does take a village. It really yeah. and truly does. The That's what thing, it came We don't from. have time. We only have a minute to go. But um, if, we, if we had more time, I would explore your dichotomy between grown-ups. And there's a lot of grown-ups who never really successfully mm -hmm. uh, surmounted childhood for a lot of the reasons that Carter was just talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they might have they might have really good advice, too. Here's what I did wrong. Let mm -hmm. me tell you about that. I'm not sure if they're that reflective about what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think a great many of us are walking around to kind of paraphrase Alice Miller imprisoned by our childhoods in right. ways that profoundly mm -hmm. affect... We're carrying scars we don't even know yeah. what. How mm -hmm. we can and can't show up for others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. And, and um, you know, I'm not going to... I'll just... A lot of them support... I'll just say his initials. Donald Trump, but um, I we, I have a whole hour on that for you if you want me to come back sometime. <laughs> okay, uh, I try not to uh, say his name very often. But anyway, uh, this this is so interesting. Thank you so much for joining us, Dan Parati. You want to you want to wrap up? I just want to say thank you, Carter Carter. I appreciate it so much. Uh, after after last week's show, somebody wrote to me and said, Carter Carter is such a character, and that is the truth. And I appreciate your bringing your character to this show. Why, well, unfortunately, I bring it everywhere I go, and I'm, I'm <laughs> glad to be here with you and it. Well, thank you, Nan Nan. Thank you, Dan Dan. <laughs> and thank you, listeners, listeners, for joining us. Tomorrow, we're going to debut Glenn Siegel, and of course, we have uh, uh, Brian Adams is going to talk about the newest in sustainability and climate worries. Oh, so great. join us tomorrow at 4 o'clock. <laughs> have a great evening. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP.